0: I'm sure you'll find something good. Some dumb thing we were doing or saying. Do the, the double ship.
1: Wait, don't no, do it again. <laughs> hey, this is Maggie.
0: And this is James.
1: And you're listening to Directors on Tap.
0: The podcast where we sit down weekly to discuss film industry news, new favorites, and what we're watching.
1: Today, we're talking about our favorite ending scenes. Okay, so today we're talking about the ending scenes, and there we should just warn you before watching or listening uh, to this episode that there will definitely be spoilers, um, because we are talking about the ending of these movies, um, which often reveals a lot about the story. So if you don't want to hear certain spoilers, skip ahead. (laughs) It's just, there's definitely going to be spoilers.
0: All right. So, Max, what was your first pick?
1: Um, my first one was *The Dark Knight Rises*.
0: Oh, oh, of course. And that was the
1: first one I picked. Like that was Im- immediate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a
0: feeling that'd be one of your picks.
1: Yeah, this, it just, it and the ending wraps up the trilogy so well, and the the entire movie ties up a lot of loose ends. Um, I think. The cinematography and direction are amazing in this. Um, I think the scene is about, I guess it's, is it two scenes? I guess it's two scenes. But it it's in just under like six minutes, Nolan ties up relationships, story points, and some of which have been in question since the beginning of the trilogy. Um, and so just to like premise it, we know at the end that Batman flies the bomb out um, out of the city. And beforehand, they're under the bridge with Gordon, Selina, and Fox. And um, as Batman's, like, tying the cable to the bomb, Selina says something about the autopilot, and Batman's like, no autopilot. Um, and this basically tells us that he, he can't eject and be in the clear of the blast radius once he flies it out over the water. Um, and basically sacrifices himself Um, and then we get the talk with Gordon while he's getting ready to take off and Batman tells him who he really is by calling back to um, the moment they shared in Batman Begins where he's comforting him at the police station um, after his parents death shouldn't the people know the hero who saved them hero can be anyone
0: Even a man doing something as simple and reassuring as putting a coat around a young boy's shoulders to let him know the world hadn't ended. The, yeah yeah the, the way he says it like where he's the way he mentioned i love the the way the lines that he says it with where he's talking about something like uh he says like the things like it can make when the world seems like it's ending or whatever just like even the simplest actions yeah he's like
1: he, as putting a co around a yeah, young boy's shoulder that, so i'm just I gonna the world's not gonna end or something like yeah, that. yeah he or says something as simple yeah. as
0: put, putting your, your jacket around a boy's shoulder. And then he like, then they do. Do they have a little flashback? I can't remember. Yeah, they flashback
1: yeah. to the police station.
0: Yeah, and I think we saw that in the first movie. Yeah. Also, we saw that moment. And then when he's going off, then like Gordon realizes he's like Bruce, and it's like whoa. Yeah, he's like Bruce Wayne. <laughs>
1: um, and so he ends up flying the bomb out over the the water, and it's implied that he dies. And I just remember being so upset in the theater. <laughs> I was like crying. Aww. I was like, "No, no, no. This isn't happening." <laughs> and well, it
0: wasn't.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> it's
0: like, "Well, it wasn't."
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> There's so a
0: twist.
1: and to like make it even more clear, Nolan was just trying to press it that he did die. Like he, there was no like obviously he doesn't die in the end, but he he doesn't just jump to that. He like he's trying to like press it by like having the funeral with his his grave next to his parents and um alfred says like i failed you which is heartbreaking that Mm -hmm. one that one made me cry for sure
0: and the statue
1: yeah and then the that's what was next
0: (laughs) oh sorry
1: (laughs) and the ceremony with that man's statue and gordon's just like looking up at it um knowing who who he really is Mm -hmm. and then uh what else we get the the wayne manor story tied up with how like that whole thing um was kind of coming down but then it becomes the home for orphans Mm -hmm. um and then there's the there's a cut to fox asking the technicians what he could have done to fix the bat and um they say that the autopilot was was fixed six months ago by bruce and so then we realize like he's alive and um so that kind of gets tied up, but then there's, like, still the unresolved relationship with Alfred and Selena. So then we see Alfred at the the cafe, and they, like, linger on a few shots before they cut back to Alfred. He's
0: and on vacation. Yeah, I he's on vacation. In France, I think. Yeah. We mentioned, we talked about the scene in the previous episode. But you don't episode, know that yet. That's it. what I was going to say. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you
1: keep doing that. <laughs> all
0: right, all right. Keep um, going.
1: And... So they like linger on a few shots before like Alfred looks up and he kind of takes like a double look. Like he's he kind of mm-hmm. looks up and he's like and they cut to Bruce and Selena uh, across the way at another table. And um, they they kind of like they look at each other. Bruce nods at him and then Alfred nods back. And Bruce like he after he's not. Or, oh, wait. Bruce nods at him. Then it cuts to Alfred. Alfred, no- Alfred nods, and then it cuts back to Bruce, and he like kind of just lowers his head and looks down, like, like, yep, <laughs> and I just like it. sits with that for a moment. Um Uh, it's just like a perfect ending. Like the direction in this specific sequence at the end is amazing. Just like the head nod of Alfred, Bruce sitting with it for a brief moment, um, super satisfying.
0: And then and the fact that the whole thing's a callback to earlier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Where they're having the the, uh, it's in the hallway where Bruce is like going up the stairs and then he. Alfred's like, this is the last thing I'll do for you, is to to was it something with the hard drive or flash drive or something? And he's like, This is the last thing I'll do, and then I have to go because I, I can't see you like do this to yourself anymore. And then he like talks about this fantasy that he would have where he sees him um across the way at the cafe and just knows that he's like happy. So then, yeah, at the end, it's that is what happens. So it's pretty satisfying.
0: Mm-hmm. Um Extremely Super, then, super, super satisfying.
1: The last thing I was going to add is that, you know, when Flake picks up the bag from Wayne's building and the receptionist says you should use your full name, Robin. Mm-hmm. And so I just like love that they added that little thing in there. It's
0: so, it's so cheesy, but it's yeah. satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, great. whoa. Uh, yeah. Cause, uh, cause it, it definitely starts straddling the line of getting a bit cheesy, but it still, it does it super well. Yeah, they well, didn't like take it cheesy. to, to, uh, yeah
1: too far and do it. it was pretty short mm-hmm.
0: yeah because like if if it wasn't done so well it would have definitely felt 100 cheese but they they do it well enough that you're still emotionally invested in it and not just like that's dumb
1: yeah like for- and they also the fact that because there's multiple callbacks going on during this like they're cutting back and forth between they're going from like the 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 home becoming the orphan orphanage. And then they're doing like, they're cutting back to Blake picking up his bag. Then they're doing the cafe. So like they kind of mm-hmm. had to keep it short. Um, but I'm glad that they didn't like linger too much on that. They, the pacing yes. was really good with all the things that they were calling back to. Yes,
0: extremely well paced. Especially, yeah, yeah with, with all the things that they're juggling. Yeah. that That's impressive because that'd be really easy to screw up. And a lot of yeah, directors really, do screw no, it up when they're juggling seriously, that
1: much. That's, it could have easily, things could have get, gotten like breezed over or or bloated.
0: Yeah, bloated.
1: Yeah. Um, so it was perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. Or it could yeah. have just felt disconnected too if they just didn't do a good job transitioning between them all. Um, yeah, but it didn't feel like we were jumping around. It felt like a wrap up because it was a really well done wrap up.
1: Yeah, and that's also what the dialogue too. Like the dialogue was great.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, is that all we got to say about that one? Yep. All right, my first pick for the ending is uh, from 1972, The Godfather. And um, oh, I, you I might should have say, you seen the ending scene.
1: Well, uh, you're, you're going to hate me now. I put that on here because I haven't seen it, but I have seen the ending. All right, fair. And I almost put it on here because I was like, damn, that's a really good ending, but I don't want to because I haven't seen it.
0: Have you seen the opening scene? Yeah. Okay. Did you get... I don't don't remember it. I've seen it. I saw it like two years ago. Okay, because I was going to say the ending's very closely related to the opening. I just Um, like
1: the framing and like the whole idea. Anyways, just go. I always had it on here, but... (laughs) All
0: right. Well, okay. So what's basically happening is Michael's moving into his new house um, and he's in his office. It's very darkly lit, just like his father Vito's office is in the beginning of the film. And um, Michael's sister comes in and she's hysterical and she starts... um, yelling at him like all right spoiler major spoiler so if you don't want the ending of the godfather spoiled for you uh skip this uh basically <laughs> Do i don't
1: want to hear this <laughs> it's fine. Go
0: oh ahead. boy okay um so michael had his brother-in-law murdered um and so his sister's coming in uh hysterical about this and it wasn't out of the blue like his his brother-in-law was abusive so it wasn't it wasn't like he just had him murdered because he didn't like him. He was a pretty bad dude. But obviously his sister didn't appreciate him murdering her uh, husband, especially after they just had a newborn child to which Michael is the godfather of. Um, hence the title of the film. But um, so she's like, she's like, you heartless bastard. Like, how could you like you? You are our child's godfather. You're supposed to like now he's going to grow up w- like without a father and all this. Oh.
1: All the time he knew he was gonna kill him. And you stood godfather to our baby. You lousy, cold-hearted bastard. I don't know how many men he had killed with the collar. Read the papers. Read the papers. That's your husband. That's your husband.
0: (laughs) No! 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 Um, and michael's just very cold about it he he tries to comfort her like he hugs her and stuff but he's still like you can tell he does not care at all um and then eventually he has her taken out of her office um and michael's wife Kay is watching it and so it's just quiet now after they get his sister out of his office and everything and she's just asking she's like is it true, like, did you did you kill him? And uh, he, he tells her like, don't ask about my business. And then she keeps pressing him and he's like, don't ask about my business. Um, and so eventually he, he gives that and he's like, all right, this one time, this one time I'll let you ask about my business. And then so she asked him and he says, no, I didn't do it. And so he lies to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so she's like, all right, so she goes to get him a drink. She's like, all right, I, you know, obviously he probably feels pretty bad then if he didn't do it that his sister thinks he did. So she goes to get him a drink. She walks outside, and then we see him talking with other people in his office. There's the great framing where she's separated from him standing down through the hallway. We're mm-hmm. looking in through the door, and then she starts to realize, like, he lied to me. And then we we're, we get to a sort of close-up of the doorway, and then the door's shut, and it's like that that functions as our sort of wipe to black. And it's so beautiful. And the one of my favorite things about this is how well it contrasts the opening scene of Vito in his office. Um, we, we can start off with just how they set it up so that you'll notice the contrast is that Michael's office is very visually similar to Vito's even though he's in a different house. But then the fact that he's in a different house because it's like a completely different Godfather, basically, he handles things so different from his father and so much worse than his father does. Um, Where, you know, Newhouse, things are completely different, even though he's visually trying to be like his father, having the same dark type of office. But in the opening scene of The Godfather, uh, we have Vito is being begged by someone to kill a stranger for abusing their daughter, um, for, for beating her up. And Vito says, like, he's like, all right, we'll beat him up, we'll rough him up, but he's like, but where he's like, I can't kill him. That's disproportionate to he's like, he didn't kill anyone, we're not gonna kill him. We're just gonna beat him up too, so that he's you know, teach him a lesson. Um, and then the contrast of Vito being so has such a strong sense of proportionate justice, where he's like, This guy was like begging him to have this dude killed, and he's like, I can't kill him. He's like, That's not just. He's like, We'll we'll really rough him up, but we can't kill him. Um versus Michael um, with the disproportionate response of murdering his father-in-law, leaving his nephew without a father, yeah. um, not even feeling all that, it wasn't even asked to. And then when his sister comes to him, completely torn up by it, he's just, it's the like complete opposite. He he murders someone without being asked in a disproportionate way, as opposed to refusing to kill someone in a disproportionate way. Um, and instead of it being a stranger, he actually ends up killing a family member too, which makes yeah. it even worse. And that coupled with, um, oh, I gotta check my notes real quick. I just lost my train of thought, <laughs> sorry. Um, oh, uh, the whole don't ask me about my business thing where Michael is adamant, where he's trying to separate his family and his business uh, where Vito didn't because he's like, well, it's the family is the business. He's like, you can't separate them. Um, you know, he's trying to be like, you know, this is my business, don't talk about it. This, you know, you're, you should, Kay, you're my wife, just be, concerned about my family. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I am concerned about the family. You just had a member of our family murdered. <laughs> and it's, it's like, so clearly you can't separate the business and family. Um, and that coupled with just the framing at the end of the total separation. And then that beautifully executed white to black um, with the door shutting. Beautifully done. One of my favorite endings of all time. And I think that's all I have to say about it. Just that that beautiful poetic opening and close parallel between Vito and his father because that's sort of the whole story of the film is um or not Vito and the father of Michael and his father Vito because you know the whole whole story of the film is Michael failing to be like his father basically well becoming his father but a worse version of his father
1: yeah I I literally almost put that on here I think (laughs) <laughs> it's not fair for me to put it on here when I haven't seen it, but because I've seen the opening and ending, I mm-hmm. already knew it was a good ending mm-hmm. because of that contrast, and especially the framing. I love the framing yeah. of that. It's so good. Mm-hmm.
0: The cinematography. Um, yes. Sorry. No, you go. You go. No, I don't know. Okay. I was going to say just Coppola's sense of using light and framing together in that movie. I guess the cinematography in general. It's so elegant. And he does that in all of his films. His lighting, the way he uses his lighting, in in conjunction with his cinematography and the framing, um, like just having the characters surrounded by darkness, and then when again the door wipe, he lit it so that you know they could have just had the door shut and cut to black, but that they lit it so that the door itself would be the black.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: His his he's amazing with lighting, lighting and framing in conjunction together. He's Coppola is amazing with, yeah. <laughs>
1: didn't we have to for our production class mm-hmm. we had to like recreate one of those shots I think for our our lighting project
0: <laughs> no we did it was we a did screen actually, grab we did another one of my picks though
1: oh is it the second one
0: no it's not the second one oh, okay <laughs> no, no no it's a Wait, different it's... I could
1: have sworn it was that shot of him in his chair with the lighting, like.
0: I think we used that as an example, but the one we did was from a different film. Cause mm-hmm. I, I remember the shot. I remember the character in the shot. Um, Cause I think I think the shot is from the scene I picked. I could have <laughs>
1: sworn it was, okay. I'm pretty sure. Maybe maybe I'm
0: remembering it wrong. Godfather, though. but. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, maybe I have it switched where the example was. It was
1: the, something where the shadows were below and the lighting yeah. was coming from above and it was, you had to block it with flags so you could. Yeah. Anyways, huh. Anyways, um I don't yeah. want to stay on that for too
0: long. <laughs> yeah, that's all right, moving on.
1: Yeah, okay, so my next pick is Inception.
0: <laughs> ah. Alright, that's a good that that I considered putting on my list. So tell us about the considered. ending of Inception.
1: First you first the Dark Knight with your opening <laughs> scene, now Inception. Yep. How dare you. Um <laughs> so yeah, what's great about this ending, other than, you know, the obvious moment with the the totem at the end,
0: mm-hmm. is
1: that there's barely any dialogue in mm-hmm. the scene. And it's so much more powerful because clearly Nolan wanted to focus on expressions, like motions and objects instead of the dialogue, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was great, like a super great choice. Like, I think the dialogue would have taken away from the meaning Mm -hmm. um with the totem at the end and then there's the score from Hans Zimmer um who's my favorite composer (laughs) and which has like so much intensity at the beginning of the the scene um and um it's like big and bold and then it gets very emotional and quiet at the end um I just the the score for this is like genius it's one of the best things ever um and one of my favorite parts uh, of the scene is that Cobb tells himself throughout the movie that he can never look his kids in the eye without knowing that he's in his own reality Mm -hmm. and at the end they're both both of his kids are sitting um in the same position in the grass with the same outfits that they that we've seen them throughout the whole movie and finally, like, they turn their head towards Cobb and he, he sees their faces. Um, and Nolan does like such a good job of planning those moments uh, throughout the movie and then calling back to them at the end. Um, so things like that are super satisfying to see. And then it's also just like really touching to see that he finally gets to see his kids. <laughs> Um, And I think the choice of doing, like, the slow motion for them turning their heads, uh, like, the breakdown of the scores makes it so much more emotional.
0: And it heightens it very much.
1: Yeah, like, the... And, like, the way they turn their heads, because they're literally in the same position that they've been in the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And then they, as they're, like, turning their heads, their, like, hair, like, flicks forward in slow motion, and they're, like, their smiles, like, become apparent on their faces, so... Yeah, definitely makes it way more emotional. I wonder how many um, takes
0: they got of that. Because I'm sure they I did wonder, a lot of takes. Yeah,
1: especially with like four-year-olds. So that's. Uh, he um, was like, I
0: got to get this good one.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it was perfect. Um. And from that, we pan over to him holding his kid, or from him holding his kids to the totem spinning on the table. And we're like dialing into it very slowly. And we like stay on it for longer than expected and it has this like swi- slight wobble for a custom black and i remember being in the theater and everyone yelling out like oh <laughs> like <laughs> are you kidding me <laughs> like, uh-huh. um so that's it's such a like unsatisfying yet satisfied ending <laughs> Um, it's like, ah, you're killing me, Nolan, but you're also <laughs> a genius.
0: <laughs> Golden. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 um, feeling of like what you said of everyone in the theater being like, ah, I, I remember I, I had heard about that being the ending before I even saw it and even anticipating it. when I was like, still like, damn, <laughs> like,
1: yeah, I, it's like, you're like right up here. You're like, and then it's like, oh, like, are you hmm. kidding?
0: You don't get to know.
1: <laughs> um, was that the,
0: hmm.
1: that wasn't the movie that we watched together, was not
0: it? The other what? Inception. Was that, yeah, was that, that Interstellar? Together. Together? We oh, watched yeah. Inception together. I don't think we've watched Incep- Interstellar together yet.
1: Yeah. Wait, isn't that because you told me you hadn't seen the whole thing? Yeah. I still can't Oh, no, I saw that. the
0: whole thing. I just, oh, Inception, I hadn't seen the whole thing. Of. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I thought you were talking about I'm a mess.
1: That's the movie we're talking about.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, I forgot that you hadn't seen it. That's really disappointing. Yeah. I can't believe that. Actually, I had,
0: I had seen a lot of pieces of it. I just had never seen the whole thing in one go before. How could
1: you not like be so eager to see it? It's like every filmmaker's seen that movie.
0: Well, now I have. Hey, you haven't seen The Godfather, so you can't. Okay, talk.
1: but still Inception. <laughs> like, come on.
0: All right. All right, that's all right.
1: pretty much it.
0: Yeah. All right, so my next pick, um, I think you're going to be a little disappointed in me for going back to this, uh, is 2001. <laughs> um, the ending. Uh, you can pick is... the same movie. Oh, I have to.
1: That's not fair.
0: Nope, I had to. I didn't to. do that. Well, I had to. This ending just is, okay, I can't describe this at all. So I'm going to have to describe it, obviously, but it, everything I'm going to say is about to be spoilery. So in the last bit of this film, uh, he's in the pod. The pod is now in this strange, vaguely reminiscent of some type of Rococo hotel um, with light panels on the floor and the ceiling. And he sees himself outside outside of his own pod in the hotel. And then we cut to that version of him's point of view. And then from that point of view, he sees himself a little bit older in another one of the rooms and we cut to that one's point of view and he's a little bit older again watching himself from outside where he was standing before and now he's like eating dinner in this like weird hotel and he's an old man now and he drops something on then we cut to that old man's point of view and then as he goes to pick up what he dropped he sees on the bed of the hotel himself like super old and bedridden and we cut to that version of himself's point of view and we see him reach out and we think he's reaching out to his past self um and then we cut and know the monolith is now in the hotel room with him and he's reaching out to the monolith and then we cut and we start moving forwards and dollying in closer and closer to the monolith and then it overtakes the screen and now we're back in space and then we start to see the earth come into view and the music's picking up Oh, wait, no, I left out. A, ah, I left them on a thing. Okay. So <laughs> before, before we pan into the monolith, we cut back to him again. And now he's like this glowing baby. He's like become, he's like been like reborn as like this glowing, like energy child. And he's, then we start moving into the, the monolith. And then we cut, we're back in space. We see the earth come into view. And then so we have the earth on the the right side of the screen and then the baby in the orb is watching the earth from the other side and the music's picking up. And then it's like amazing. It just ends with like the biggest like music musical cue and, just goes to like this film was written and directed by stanley kubrick (laughs) and um now the reason why i like this i know it sounds like madness because it is madness and in context it'll still be madness so i like this scene a lot for uh aesthetic theory reasons because um i think it's the best example of using the medium of cinema as its own medium without reference to any storytelling devices that are more proper to other mediums Mm -hmm. Uh, for example what i mean by this is film being such a being primarily a visual medium. Everything that's happening in this is something that you're, being, that you're seeing, you're not being told, there's no explanation given, you're just witnessing it. And that's something that you can't really do in any non-visual mediums. Uh, for example, the book version of 2001, that scene plays completely differently because the way it is in the film is not at all able to be written and be the same thing. Uh, it's sort of hard to describe specifically because I'm trying to put it in a verbal medium right now <laughs> of how the film differs, but it, it basically, yeah, it uses the medium of cinema as cinema without relying on any tropes more akin to literature. Like most films do Well, they'll employ a lot of dialogue or, um, literary callbacks and stuff. This is saying, this is a visual medium. The whole point of this, uh, artistic expression is to show you things and to have you witness them and that's what it's doing where you don't even fully understand what's going on you probably won't for the majority of time watching it but you're seeing it and it's beautifully shot and it's taking you with you on a purely visual and auditory spectacle um and that's why i like it just in terms of pure film theory
1: <laughs> yeah you're gonna hate me because you're you're are you saying it's just for the visual and not for the meaning?
0: No, no, no. The meaning is completely conveyed through the visuals. That's what I'm saying I like about yeah, it. Yeah, but you
1: said that you may not even understand it. Yes. Which is You've, not what I
0: Yeah. If you don't that's the that's the thing. You I don't can like still that. <laughs> No, if you if you don't understand it, you can watch it a few more times and understand it. You may get it the first time, you may not. It's just um it's so beautifully shot that you may not even get it. Because we're so used to in movies. Um, relying on literary tropes in order to understand what's happening, whether it's through a character explaining it or um, other non-visual cues to understand the scene. And this sort of um, just completely drops that. It basically oh, the says... the way you
1: were saying it, when you were yeah. saying purely visual, I was like, well, I disagree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it is it is purely visual, but it's purely visual storytelling. It doesn't, it doesn't use anything I know, that it you... Didn't say it. Yeah,
1: it, it was a little confusing, but
0: yeah. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the way I worded it was very messy and a complete mess. Um, but yeah, um, I guess like to contrast it with like The Godfather, my other pick, because that very much relies on the context of what's being said, and it's the visuals are reinforcing what's happening on screen rather than being the main point. Versus this, the visuals on screen is the main point, conveying all the meaning if that makes sense. Um yeah, so that's that's what, what I got to say about 2001 uh with the ending. Um that and the scene immediately preceding it with the the uh, stargate sequence. I love for just purely um aesthetics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what's your next pick, Max? Uh my next one
1: is Psycho.
0: All right. That was another one that almost made my list. Really? Yes. Mm.
1: Hmm. Um, yet another one that I've picked And is almost made your list That's so annoying <laughs> This
0: well, is the good. third we're, movie We're not having overlap I think that's no, good. good Fine <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, No this one was like kind of unexpected For me because I went back mm-hmm. and watched The scene and then realized how good it was Because um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in a while But The acting and direction Is genius um it's so creepy and terrifying and i think the ending scene has a lot to do with the the scene before it so mm-hmm. um yeah to premise it before the scene at the police station is it lila is that how you say oh, that? i'm terrible with names or, I don't no know, it's l l-i-l-a i just didn't there's different pronunciations of that, mm-hmm. but that's lila right
0: i think so like i said i, I don't know <laughs>
1: l-i-l-a
0: yeah i would assume lila but i okay. don't know yeah
1: <laughs> someone's gonna think i'm stupid for thinking there's another pronunciation but i'm pretty sure there is anyways <laughs> she goes into the basement of norman's house and mm-hmm. uh taps on the shoulder of what looks to be norman's mother um but she pulls away and the the woman turns around and we see that it's just a corpse of of the mother um, pretty
0: gruesome too for such an old yeah
1: female. it was really creepy that was uh, the first time the i saw it i was like "Ooh." <laughs> yeah um and she's got an outfit on and a wig on and as lila backs away a figure appears in the in the doorway and it's norman dressed in his his mother's gown and a similar mm-hmm. wig to the yeah. one on the corpse and he runs in with a knife and is about to stab Lila before the, the investigator comes in and stops him. The way he walks in, he's like, ah! Yeah. And as he's getting taken down, he's like, it, you can tell he's possessed. Like he, the way he's moving, he's got his mouth like wide open with this huge smile on his face. And he's like moving like this. Yeah. It's just, it's so creepy. The thing I have to talk about in this scene is the lighting um, because they achieved the idea they had with the shadows shifting back and forth by having Lila like she she sees um, uh, Norman walking in and she's like flailing her hand and she hits the light bulb that's hanging from the ceiling Mm -hmm. and it's getting swung back and forth. And as it's swinging, it cuts back to her face. And so the shadow sweeps across her face from left to right. And then it cuts to the doorway, and that shadow sweeping from left to right. So it's almost like revealing her facial expression, and it's also revealing the the entrance. Um, so the lighting was—I loved the the choices there. <laughs> and um, with the actual ending, where Norm's mm. at the police station, is terrifying. Like he sits in a chair um, in the interrogation room, and we're like slowly, slowly dialing into him, I love and that he's shot. yeah. <laughs> He's got this, like, innocent look on his face um, as we hear, like, the voiceover of the mother. Um, and his face changes from this, like, innocent look to this devious and threatening one as the mother's saying, like, they're probably watching me. Um, and then we see the fly on his hand. And um, that's, like, that's an insert shot. So, so we, like, cut to the, the hand. The fly's, like, crawling around on his hand hands not moving like it's just completely still mm-hmm. and then we cut back to um his face again and uh the mother's saying um I was trying to I have it written down but I was trying to think what she says beforehand which is something like um they'll they'll see and they'll know and they'll say why well, she wouldn't even harm a fly mm-hmm. and um uh, the look on Norman's face is like I can't even mm-hmm. describe it like it's almost like It kind of looks like he has, I'm sure it's from the shadows, but, um, it looks like he has, like, black circles or at least, like, eyeliner on, but the way he's, like, going like this, Uh it's, it's so good. It's terrifying. They'll see, they'll see, and they'll know, and they'll say, why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. And... The, the mother's uh, corpse um, from before is overlaid on, on his face um, and matches it. And this kind of shows that, one, the mother is obviously a part of him. Um, because in the scene before, we knew he was crazy, but we didn't know that the mother was taking over him. So, but in the end, we see that the mother really is a part of him. And... I, I think the overlay of her corpse really makes it apparent that she's fully taken over, and like, they're they're not equals. They're not two halves. Like it's just she's taken over.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: it's I so love good. It. So I good. love that.
0: I love Hitchcock. So that. Yeah. And that ending, that final shot with the that the overlay flash right there. That well, is that's so not good. the final
1: shot, actually.
0: Oh wait, yeah. Don't the final the car shot is the car? Pulled, yeah, yeah. It's getting out pulled of out of the.
1: Which that, I mean, I actually, I read a lot that that a lot of people mm-hmm. thought that was unnecessary, um, mm-hmm. but I think it, the, what was, I had a reason why I liked that. I can't remember now. There's something about how he mm-hmm. he didn't get away with it. Like yeah. they, there was some justification at the end.
0: Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it also just.
1: Or not I justification. Mean, this- um. Uh, what's the word? Justice. Uh, is that yeah, mean? sorry, justice, not justification. <laughs> yeah, not justification for his actions. I meant there's some justice that was
0: asserted mm-hmm. then. Yeah, with them finding the car. Um, yeah, and it also, I feel like it wouldn't be as much of a, a Hitchcock ending if it didn't cut to the other thing, because Hitchcock tends to end on those type of shots. Um, for yeah. example, I can't remember which film it is, but there's the one where he cuts in the cuts away to the, the train going into a tunnel in another film all right my next pick is uh the godfather part 2 um
1: i said that and you said no you that wasn't one of yours
0: no 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 you said was that going to be my second pick and i was like no okay whatever <laughs> <laughs> um well, but, i
1: definitely haven't seen it so i'm not going to be saying anything about that yes
0: yeah. all right so this this one's um the whole godfather part two um is cuts spends the whole film cutting back and forth between the past and the present and the ending scene is not an exception to that uh it starts off with uh michael and his family is his brothers and his sister uh, all at the dinner table and it's his father Vito's birthday and they're waiting for him to get home so they can celebrate and this scene sort of encapsulates all the character dynamics that we've seen play out in the previous two films and sort of adds greater depth to some of the things that have happened for example um we find out that sonny who uh ends up being killed um because of sonny beating up uh his brother-in-law who michael eventually has killed sonny um sort of aggravates that whole situation in the first film. and we see one of the reasons why, you know, aside from his sister being abused, one of the reasons why he's extra pissed about it in the first film is we see in that scene that he actually introduced um, his sister to his, her future husband in that scene. So he's like he's the whole reason why he was with her um, to begin with. Uh, we also see Fredo, um, the middle brother, uh, when Michael says that he's joining the army, he's the only one to support him. Um, and Fredo, whenever he tries to voice his opinion throughout the films or do anything on his own, he's immediately shut down and, um, basically told no one cares. Fredo, like, just do what you're told. And that's exactly what happens here. He's like, you know, I think that's, that's, that's great, Michael, that you've joined the Marines. And then Sonny's immediately just like, don't support him or like, um, and so we see all these little character dynamics encapsulated. We see especially that Michael doesn't sort of appreciate or care about, anything that's being done for him for example he's uh starts talking about the war world war ii at the time and um he gets into a little argument with his older brother sonny and sonny says like oh if you what well, if you like that so much why don't you drop out of college and join the army and then michael just goes like i did and he's like what and he's like and he's like yeah I, I joined the marines and uh we and then uh Sonny's like, your brother, your, your father had to pull a lot of strings to get you into that college. You know, we have, pl- we have plans for you to be successful, you know, not to be in the business and all that. Basically making it so he doesn't have to follow his rest of his family's footsteps um, in a life of crime. And he just says, like, I didn't ask for that. Like, he's so dismissive and just doesn't care about all his family trying to, you know, give him the best he possibly can get.
1: Risk their lives for their country. Your country ain't your blood. You remember that. I don't feel that way. I don't
0: feel that way. Well, if you don't feel like that, why don't you just quit college
1: and go to go to join the army? I did. I enlisted in the Marines. Yeah. Mikey, why, why didn't you come to us? What do you mean? I mean, Pop had to pull a lot of strings to get your deferment. Well, I didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for a deferment. I didn't want it. <laughs> hey,
0: come on, come on, I'm to walk. Come on, come on. Hey, come on. Hey, come on. Sonny. Punk, sonny. Sonny, sit, down you. Go on, sit. Sit down. And then eventually Vito gets home and everyone gets up to go greet their father Vito, except for Michael. And we're just left with Michael alone with all his family gone in the, the room um, while everyone's all off in another room to greet his father. And then we fade to Michael as he is today, just sitting alone without his family. Um, without his father or his brothers and now with his sister hating him and all that. Um, And that's how the film ends. And yeah, I just think it's one of the greatest, like, just like, whoa, type of endings, because it just wraps everything up so well. And you haven't seen it, unfortunately, so, but Oops. I you, you'll love it when you do see the whole film. I guarantee it. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I'll, I'll see it.
0: Yeah, we gotta, gotta do a marathon the of the, the first two films. We can skip the third one.
1: Well, yeah, that's what everyone says. Yeah. All
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> next pick?
1: Uh, my next one's Fight Club. <laughs>
0: Oh, oh, that's a good one. Oh, I didn't even think of that when I was doing my <laughs> list.
1: <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a lot of metaphors in in this end scene that um, I can't really cover all of them because there's a lot of different uh, interpretations of it. But um, it starts off. Well, I guess I'm sort of going in into the middle of the scene where he, the narrator's shooting himself in an attempt to get rid of Tyler, who we know is um, the same person as the narrator. He's just, like, this personification of parts of his personality. And um, this kind of... Him shooting himself shows that he's become a more, like, balanced person um, because of all those, like, behaviors and impulses um, not being separated by Tyler now. He's, like, one person. He's in control of himself now. Um, and with the falling of the buildings, this this has, like, multiple meanings that... Um, I can't touch on all of them. But the... the there's, like, the literal thing of um, blowing them up uh, to, like, have everyone start at the same level again. It's, like, ground zero. And... He also says something earlier in the movie like something like they advertised us like chasing cars and and clothes and working jobs we hate so we can buy stuff we don't need. And with the buildings falling to the ground, it's it's like as if he's like finally at peace with that philosophy he had and because initially he felt like the world owed him. And at the end, he finally he opens himself up to Marla, who was like, kind of his girlfriend kind of not like he he never like fully committed to that um but he finally like opens himself up to her at the end which he was never able to do
0: you shot yourself yes but it's okay
1: marla look at me i'm really okay
0: trust me everything's gonna be fine <gasps>
1: Very strange time in my life. We defeat all the air we're over Try this
0: trick and spin it. Yeah. You have a bounce, but there's nothing in it and your last
1: can sing. Um and that really shows his like character arc um and that he's like at peace with whatever's gonna happen next. So, yeah. yeah.
0: I remember first time I saw that I was just like, whoa. Oh <laughs> yeah,
1: my mind was, blo- I was like, I was watching. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> exactly,
0: <laughs> exactly. So much what uh, is happening. I also
1: it's- love the scene in the hotel room, but that's a different, that's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's great. It's ending. been too
0: long since I last watched Fight Club. We gotta watch that again soon. <laughs> that's great yes i wish i had more to add but it's been so long since i've seen it oh man
1: yeah i <laughs> uh i couldn't watch the um him shooting himself in the mouth like that was yeah and they do some good. kind of slow-mo thing too or after he shoots his mouth his mouth is like jiggling around mm-hmm. for the slow-mo and like there's smoke coming out from the gun and it's like bloody Ugh. yeah yeah it's bad Nasty. I don't like it. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, it's you a good ending. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Yeah.
0: Oh man. Oh yeah. I wish I had more to add to that. It's just been too long since I've seen it. Alright, was so there anything else you had to add to it? No. Alright, I guess moving on. This is one that I think there's a chance this might have been on your list. Um some like it hot.
1: <laughs> oh, I I uh, thought about that, but I I didn't think that was the best in
0: India. Be oh, See, I don't think it's like a great, but it's just an ending that I was like, I love this ending. Oh, no, you know it's what like I a mean? happy ending. It's like yeah. a like
1: comedic ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But,
0: so, yeah. yeah. So what's happening in the scene is our um, two characters who are jazz musicians who uh, dressed up as women so they could be in an all women jazz band because <laughs> uh, they couldn't find work as just normal jazz players, normal jazz players as men who are jazz players. <laughs> and... Um, so they're on this boat by the end of it. And the one guy is like confessing to this, this woman that he's in love with that, you know, he's like, oh, you you can't love me. I'm such a horrible person. I lied about all this stuff. Um, and then in front, the guy who's driving the boat is this dude who who's in love with the other dude as a woman. <laughs> and so while in the back, she's just like, oh, I don't care. I, I love you and all that. Um, and they start kissing. And then in the front, the dude who, he hasn't revealed yet that he's actually a man of the, to the dude who thinks he's in love with, the other main character. And he's trying to explain to him why they can't get married. And he's like, We can't get married. And he's like, uh, and he's like, oh, it's okay. He's like, I smoke all the time. And he's like, oh, that's okay. And he's like, I don't mind. And he's like, I I can't have children. And he's like, oh, don't no, that's all right. I don't want them anyways. And then he finally takes off his wig and he's like, I'm a man. And he goes, <laughs> Nobody's perfect. And then that's what it ends on. <laughs> it's, because well nobody's perfect and ah. Uh... you don't want me sugar i'm a liar and a phony a saxophone player one of those no good nicks you keep running away from
1: i know every time
0: sugar do yourself a favor go back to where the millionaires are the sweet end of the lollipop not the coleslaw in the face the old socks and the squeezed out tuba toothpaste
1: that's right pour it on talk me
0: out <laughs> of sh- That's such a great end. He just pulls off the wig. I'm a man. (laughs) Nobody's perfect. I just, I love it. It's such a funny ending. (laughs) And um, yeah, there's not really much to it. It's just a goofy little ending joke that I absolutely love. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Anything you had to say about
1: that? I mean, I love the movie as a whole. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't think of this as like, I obviously you already said it. it's not like the best ending but I wouldn't even think of it as like a mm. I guess it's a good ending I mean I just think it's I don't such know, I have a, a hard time ending. no yeah of course yeah. I think it's funny too I just would never think of that as a mm. I don't know that, I would just never think of it as a but I uh, love uh, that, that ending movie line. a lot yeah. yeah it's one of my great. favorites
0: yeah very good older film for those of you who don't know what it is it's from 1959 I think and oh. yep it's very good it's got um why can't I can't remember the leads names should have wrote down Monroe, yeah um, i know she's in it i can't remember the two leads though ah, Oh, she I is i just a lead, wrote but...
1: a montage thing on this anyways um,
0: i should have put that in my notes but uh it's very good um all around very very funny that ending oh, line Jack, is iconic Jack Le- Le
1: all right and tony curtis and gotcha yes
0: okay yeah it's Super fun. I love the ending. It's it's not anything special. It's just really funny, and I I love just that that whole last moment of tearing off the wig. I'm a man. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. Um, and unless you have anything else to add to that, I think that that wraps up. Some likes it hot. Some some like it hot.
1: <laughs> By the way, you were peeking so much while you were laughing and yelling, oh no. oh like oh a no. lot. Damn it. Should I think you're we just talking it?
0: too loud. No, it's fine. All right.
1: Um. Okay. My last one is... Wait, you still have one more after this, right? Yep. Okay, so my last one is uh, The Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> so oh, you'll be happy about that one. <laughs>
0: so good. So good, yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, I wouldn't have initially thought of this as being in my top five, but... I just watched the scene again. I was like, yeah, this is great. Um, I love every part of it. Like, she, she, Claire, Claire, Clarice, <laughs> she picks up the phone and it's so, like, nonchalant. Like, it's just like, I think she, what is, um, I forget how she picks up the phone, but she picks up the phone so nonchalantly, and then she we immediately get get the voice of Lecter saying, mm-hmm. Well Clarice, have the lamb stopped screaming. Uh-huh. It's like that line is so perfect. Like <laughs> yeah. that, I don't think there's a better line. I love that line. Starling. Well
0: Clarice. Have the lamb stopped screaming? After Lecter. Don't bother with the trace, I won't be on long enough.
1: Where are you, Dr. Lecter?
0: I have no plans to call on you, Clarice. The world's more interesting with you in it. So you take care now to extend me the same courtesy.
1: You know I can't make that promise. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm
0: having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Dr. Lecter. Dr. Lecter. Dr. Lecter. Dr. Lecter. The and, performances are great too. Yeah,
1: it cuts back to her and she's so like, just doesn't know what's going on. Like she's scared in the moment. And we get mm-hmm. this like pan from the the brick wall from the left. It's almost like split in half on the screen where it's like brick wall and then her, mm-hmm. like she's kind of like sinking into the brick wall on the other side and she's like peering around it. And it's this like pan across, and um, then he speaks again. Speaks again, and there's the line, "I'm having an old friend for dinner," oh, and I love it. It's so close to the phrase "I'm having dinner with an old friend," and so like it's funny how like if you heard it at first, you might mm. you know
0: the double entendre. mix it mix it <laughs>
1: mix it up with the other one, and and then it's like no wait a second he's mm-hmm. having a, an old friend for dinner. Mm. <laughs> And um, he he hangs at the phone and we, we cut to Clarice and she's saying like Dr. Lecter over and over again and we're like, they're doing a dolly out. Um, and it, it adds to the idea that she, she has no idea what's going on or how to find him or anything. Um, and then we, we cut to the two detectives trying to find Lecter and as they pass, we see Lecter stand up and walk off on his on his way to dinner
0: <laughs> dinner oh man yeah. it's so good i love it's it extremely good i and you know i love that film as you know um ah, i can't believe that I, I didn't even think of that for my list yeah. um but yeah it's such such a creepy ending with a great ending line yeah i um, love
1: how they when he picks up the phone and says you know the, the whole like the lamp stops screaming yeah, it, I like the framing of that shot. They have a side profile shot of him picking up the phone, and there's the fly on his forehead. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there's so many amazing uh, just cinematography in that film. Yeah, cinematography is great.
1: It's so good. Extremely. I, yeah, I think Extremely. that the the shot of him picking up the phone and the shot of um the the pull out the dolly out of um her just having the phone up their ear and he's he's hung up the phone and she's just like doesn't know what to do. It's um, just kind of struck by that and just the dolly out of that like
0: oh, it's perfect. Oh and for anyone who doesn't know what a dolly out is that's when the camera's physically moving away from the subject
1: right should, I should say yeah and
0: a dolly in would yeah. be when the camera's physically so, moving So the subject. and I should
1: okay yeah pan pan is you know from left to right or right to left or up, up you know vertically up and down. Mm-hmm. And then and so, actually panning down up the camera, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, the dolly is actually moving the camera, you know. So yeah,
0: as opposed yeah. to a zoom where you just yeah. zooming. In with Sorry, the yeah, that's
1: yeah, that's the thing. The, the zoom is very different from the dolly. Yeah.
0: Anyways, <laughs> yeah. that's your that's your <laughs> film school for today, guys. <laughs> uh, so you know, I'm realizing
1: how much more I like dollies than than zooms.
0: Really, I'm a zoom guy. I, maybe that's probably because I like Kubrick.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know <laughs> what? I knew you were going to say that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I used to, I used to, I, oh. I like, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely a Zoom that person. That pains me.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I don't like Zooms.
0: Uh, I, I I mean, I like
1: Zooms. I don't like the extreme Zooms. Mm, I like, well,
0: I think Zooms can be done very, very badly. I think it's much easier to do a bad Zoom than a bad
1: why Dolly. That's I don't like them,
0: actually. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll admit, until I got into Kubrick, I was also against zooms very much. You know what? I think I like slight zooms. I don't like... Slight zooms? Yeah, I don't like snap zooms as much, except for yeah. Tarantino. Tarantino's the exception. His yeah, snap zooms different. are great. Um, he knows how to use them very well. Um, he actually does a lot of stuff very well that I don't like, but that'll, that's a tangent for another time. Yeah, all right. But,
1: let's stop talking about
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So my final pick. Uh, this film is slowly becoming one of my favorites, um, mainly for the performances. There Will Be Blood from 2007. Um, The final scene, it comes with the character, Eli is uh, trying to sell a track of land to uh, Daniel for uh, out of desperation, because he really needs the money. And this is some of the most well acted and written dialogue and then monologue in anything I've ever seen, like by a long shot. Paul Dano and Daniel Day-Lewis are amazing together. There's like some, um, some of the amazing lines is when when uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is just berating him and he, he says, you're an afterbirth, Eli. You slithered out of your mother's filth. You should have been put in a glass jar on the mantelpiece. And it's like, and he says, and he's delivering it so with so much vitriol and it's so well done. And then, even when the lines get goofy, Daniel Day Lewis is just so good that he makes "I drink your milkshake" the most threatening line you've ever heard in your entire life, <laughs> especially in context. And they just hold on this um, when he's when he's doing this back and forth and saying all these horrible things to him, and um, Paul Dano's character is just breaking down completely into tears. They're just on this like medium shot. You know, you'd expect this to be like cutting back and forth with close-ups, but they just hold on this medium shot. And just let the whole thing play out like that until Daniel until Daniel Day Lewis like picks him up and throws him on the ground. Then they finally cut to another shot. But it just makes it feel so much more like you're just sitting there watching it as opposed to watching a, a representation of it because you're just you're sitting about where you'd be sitting if you were actually there watching this unfold. Um, and the it could have gotten so goofy, especially when. Dano's on the floor and this, this is taking place in, a, in the private bowling alley of Daniel day Lewis's character. And after he throws him on the ground, Daniel Day-Lewis starts throwing bowling balls at him. And it could have easily turned so goofy if these actors weren't so freaking good at what they do. Because he's like screaming at him, throwing bowling balls, saying goofy stuff like, I drink your milkshake, but it's terrifying. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up! Don't bully me, Daniel! <laughs> Did
1: you think your song and dance and your superstition would help you, Eli? I am the third revelation!
0: I am who the Lord has chosen, uh, uh, because uh, I am uh, Daniel. I'm smarter than you! I'm older! Uh, uh, I'm your old friend, Daniel! Oh, brother, what a false help prophet! Help me, boy. Uh, I am the third
1: revelation. I am the third revelation. I told you I would eat you. We're family. I told
0: you. And, and then he, uh, major spoiler alert for if anyone doesn't want this ruined. Um, uh, Daniel J. lewis then bashes Paul Dano's head in with a bowling pin. Uh, and it's very gory and very bloody. Uh, and then his butler just shows up And Daniel Day-Lewis is just sitting on the floor with Paul Dano's smashed head and blood everywhere. Um, And he's just sitting there and then the butler shows up. And I think he says something like, cancel my appointments or something like that. (laughs) And then it just ends and- Mr. Daniel?
1: I'm finished.
0: that that scene has influenced my writing for my feature film so much whenever there's an intense scene like that's what i'm going for i'm like i need something that intense and i probably fail but that's what i go for in my writing for intense scenes i love it um, it's another film maggie oh wait you haven't seen there will be blood right you have to and i'm sorry i just told you the ending scene but it's so good uh we'll have to watch that sometime too
1: yeah
0: yeah amazing performances um good like excellently directed um it's just that the performances steal the show from the directing in that final scene because both actors are so freaking good Um, i
1: can already see my dad's disappointment (laughs) he's gonna gonna say you haven't seen the godfather you haven't seen the blood
0: (laughs) oh well but uh, yeah, great, great. That's my final pick. I love it. It's definitely one of my favorite just scenes in general. The only scene that I can think of that tops it for me personally is uh, the scene where they're in like Hal's mainframe in 2001. I can't say any more about that because that's also kind of a spoiler, but that that scene's probably my second favorite scene of all <laughs> in, in any movie. And uh, does that wrap it up?
1: Yeah, I don't think I did mine in any particular order. I also don't think this is definitely, again, not concrete. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no way. Um, If I had to rank them, I would say Dark Knight Rises, Inception. Oh, boy. Silence of the Lambs, Psycho Fight Club.
0: (laughs) If I had to rank mine, 2001's up there because I have to put it up there. (laughs) for, uh, like I said, just from an aesthetic standpoint. Then I'd have to follow it up with The Godfather Part Two because I think it approaches that same use of purely filmic um, techniques as opposed to literary techniques. Uh, Then I'd put, mm, I'd put There Will Be Blood, then The Godfather, and then, uh, what's it called? (laughs) It just popped out of my head. Something like it hot, that'd be the, the bottom on my list. But yeah, so that's Makes that's sense. how I'd rank it if I had to. But that might be subject to change, except for the first two. I think I, I'm pretty solid on my top two being 2001 yeah, followed <laughs> by Part Two of The Godfather. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Does that wrap up our episode then? This time. We gotta yeah. watch Wandavision.
1: I know. I was literally just about to say, I. I might. This is the finale, right? Yeah. Anyways, yeah, season finale of Wandavision is out. I got a lot. If you of stuff still haven't watched up. that show, you have to watch it. It's, yes, I can't it praise it enough. <laughs> it's So good, very um, very good. You know what? I did. I send. I don't think I sent it to you, but I was. Hmm. I saw some article last night um, where they were picking apart all the different decades and how they incorporated all the um, the shows they paid homage to mm-hmm. and um their their attention to detail that's what they focused on in this article because like yeah. the from the curtains from like uh the middle uh, malcolm in the middle to like the text that they the font that they used, to like mm-hmm. the the striped pillows that they used for the modern family couch the different you know stairways yeah. like the, the cabinetry it's just like they there's so much attention to detail on the show it's insane
0: yeah you haven't sent me that i'll have to you'll have to though
1: yeah i'll send it to you they, yeah. they really talked about almost everything so it sounds pretty sick yeah it's uh definitely check out the show i it's so good
0: very good just like our podcast very good hopefully <laughs> <laughs> all right does that wrap it up for this week Yep. All right, let's head into the outro then.
1: Thanks for listening to our podcast, Directors on Tap.
0: As always, you can check out our Instagram and Twitter pages at Directors on Tap to stay up to date with new episodes and get some behind the scenes content.
1: Join us next week for more film talk.